We'll see if that's gonna work. All right. I do not do public speaking. This makes me very uncomfortable. So bear with me and there'll almost certainly be tears. <laughs> if we've never met, I'm Rachel or Miss Rachel as most of the kids here know me. I'm the Crossbridge Kids team leader and I've attended Crossbridge regularly since 2013. Some of you know my family story over the last six years, but many of you don't. Um, if you don't, this short story is life was incredibly challenging from March 2017-ish until about the end of 2019. In March of 2017, my husband Brian was under a lot of stress with a new job that had him frequently traveling away from us um, for several days at a time. While adjusting to his new position, he knew I was also adjusting to managing the home alone in his absence with three-year-old Matthew and six-year-old Mackenzie, or six-month-old Mackenzie. The stress he was under while already suffering from an anxiety disorder led to Brian becoming extremely depressed and anxious, which then led to him being unable to work starting in April of 2017. As you can imagine, our young children both needed lots of attention and relied heavily on me, especially since I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. Brian began regularly meeting with his doctor and a counselor to get to the bottom of what he was experiencing and to find a way to climb out of the canyon he had found himself in. After a few months of trying many different techniques and medicines, we learned Brian was suffering from undiagnosed bipolar disorder type two. This means he experiences very deep and extended periods of depression and short spurts of hypomania, where he is basically a very high-functioning, creative, and super productive adult. If only we could stay there. <laughs> um, over the last six years, God has shown us that he can be trusted with the big and the little things. He has provided for us physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually when we did not know how we would make it. He has shown us his love in so many ways, especially through our church family, other friends, and our family. Those of you who knew us during that time were in the group of people who refused to let us give up. You loved us so well during that time and showed us you could be trusted to carry our burdens in many different ways. Our community rallied around us to watch our kids, so Brian could focus on healing and I could go to job interviews, the grocery store, or doctor's appointments with Brian. When God provided me with a job opportunity to work full-time starting July of 2017, he worked out each and every detail perfectly so our community group members and our out-of-state family could work together to cover childcare for us until the kids got into a daycare. Our Crossbridge family brought us meals and groceries so I would have fewer decisions and plans to make, which I'm terrible at. Um, Wes came over on a moment's notice while I was at work one day and the kids were at daycare to stay with Brian when it was unsafe for him to be alone with his thoughts. When Brian made the incredibly brave decision in November of 2017 to check himself into the hospital for a few days and readjust his medication, sorry, God again aligns schedules in ways only he can, so our community group members were able to help with daycare pickups and drop-offs and then stay with the kids after they went to bed 
so that I could visit Brian in the hospital. God showed us we can trust in his provisions and his unconditional love by providing us with unexpected financial blessings, including jobs and amazing health insurance and supportive bosses. Despite the amount of pain and the sadness he felt, Brian proved to Matthew, McKenzie, and me that he can be trusted to lean on God in the toughest times and never stop working to get stable. He pushed through medication change after medication change, many difficult emotions and feelings, and all of the life changes happening so that he could be here to love us and those in our lives well. In February of 2018, God provided Brian with a job opportunity that was low stress and low pressure. It was the perfect position to allow Brian to begin working again while still working with his doctors and counselors to find the right balance of medications. A year later, Brian moved to a new position within the same agency that required more of him, but God had been working to restore Brian's confidence in himself and in God. God ensured, ensured this new position also provided Brian with an amazing boss who was so supportive and encouraging of him. Since that time, God has continued to provide Brian and me with promotions and more opportunities to use the skills and abilities that he has given us. And he gave us ways to rebound from the financial stress felt during those toughest years. God has also proven trustworthy in sending bosses, coworkers, friends, doctors, counselors, church family members, like many of you who have supported us and encouraged us over the years. Additionally, God has placed people in our lives for us to love on and share our story with to encourage them that God can be trusted. It's kind of cliche, but God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. He will allow us to go through hardships and difficult times, but he can be trusted with all of the little and big things in every situation. His love never fails. Only God could be trusted to bring us out of that hard time. He did not fail our family or stop throwing us lifelines. And he won't fail you either if you will continue to trust in him because he is trustworthy. Some of you may be struggling right now with burdens that you have not yet allowed others to share. If things are hard now or when they are hard in the future, because they will be, um, sorry, um, Ask the people around you for help and encouragement. Open up. Um, be vulnerable. God has placed fr friends, family, and sometimes even strangers in each of our paths to show us love and for us to love with God's never-failing and completely trustworthy love. So we just sang this song, Bless Stole It From Me. Um, to close, I want to share the lyrics of the song we just sang which were very popular during that time frame, and they got me through a lot of those dark times. Um, it's Do It Again by Elevation Worship. It's a raw and honest prayer that I had with God many times over those years, and so I'm going to read some of the lyrics now. So it says, Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You have never failed me yet. 
I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Okay. So, um... My story is a little bit different from Rachel's <laughs> because the way that I learned to trust the Lord more deeply is to realize people could only take me so far. Um, ten years ago, I met one of the greatest group of women and friends that I would ever come to know. Um, they led me closer to godly community than I'd ever been in before, and they, because of that, led me closer to God. It was a beautiful bridge. And Many of those relationships have spanned the last 10 years and been rich and deep, um, even seasonal. But anyways, um, it was about six years into me knowing this group of people that the Lord was laying the groundwork for me to get to the point where I had to learn to trust him and him alone. Um, I didn't know he was doing that, but hindsight and all that. So about six years or five years ago, I went on like a weekend away with four of these women, and it was just a, you know, ladies weekend, whatever. We had a good time. On the way home, we're coming back from Panama City, and I'm driving in the car with my friend Margo, and my friend Nicole was in the passenger seat. We had to bring her to the airport because she was living in Pennsylvania, and the only reason that is relevant is because as we were driving over this bridge coming back from Panama City, um, all of a sudden, my friend Margo, who was driving, goes, oh my gosh, I think that woman's about to jump and she has something in her arms. I think we need to turn around, but I don't want to, I don't want to make you miss your flight, Nicole. So if we need to keep going, I'll come back. And I'm like, what, what woman, you know? And <laughs> Nicole and Margo are like, no, turn around. It'll be fine. Like this is from the Lord. We have it. So we pull over and it's a bridge. So there's not actually a place to pull over. So we're just kind of parked in the middle of the road. Thankfully it was a Sunday morning, so it wasn't super busy. Um, but my friend Nicole jumps out and she starts talking to this woman who was probably homeless. Um, my friend Margo says, let's start praying. And I'm like, yeah, let's start praying. I'm like, what am I supposed to pray about right now? I, I don't even know this woman. I don't know what to do here. So we start praying and Nicole pops her head back in and says, hey, this woman was just asking God to like prove that he was real. And if he was real, would he just send a Bible to her? I know. And I was like, oh, geez. So she's like, we have a, do we have a Bible in the car? And of course we had a Bible in the car. <laughs> we probably had four Bibles in the car. So we hand her one of our, Nicole gets out and hands it to her. And in that moment, I was struck to my core at the compassion and kindness of God. Because here's this woman. She's homeless. She doesn't know anybody. She's a, she was about to jump off the bridge. I wasn't going to cry, Rachel. <laughs> it's your fault. And, um, but I was struck at the fact that the Lord saw her. And I was reminded in that moment from him, when, when I had started um, college my freshman year, one of the first names of God that I learned about was Elroy, the God who sees. And I thought, oh my gosh, you saw her, Lord. I didn't. I was 10 feet from her, and I didn't see her, but you did. And you saw fit to have us three crazy people turn around and 
answer her prayer. And I was just so struck by him in that moment. So I started crying. And even though you guys see me cry almost weekly, at the time, I was not used to crying in front of people. And so I was really embarrassed. And I get back, or Nicole gets back in the car and we start driving. And I'm just, I'm more worked up than I can explain why I'm worked up. And so my friend Nicole turns around and says, can we pray for you? Which heightened my embarrassment. Because I'm like, not only am I crying, but I'm such a wreck right now that they think they need to pray for me. And I'm like, oh gosh, but I'm not going to say no. So they start praying for me. And something changed. The atmosphere in the van changed. The air was no longer air. There was a heavy, weighted presence. And for no understanding or explanation that I could put into any box, I was terrified. I was screaming, mostly not out loud, mostly in my head, but it was loud. There was screaming. I was crying, and I was terrified. And I wrestled back and forth with, like, I needed to get away from the heaviness of this presence, but I'm riding in the back of a van, so I have no option. Um, And my friends are praying, though I could not tell you a word that they prayed or said because I couldn't hear them. I mean, the... The air was that loud? I don't know. Um, And after struggling and wrestling, the Lord said, though I wasn't, anyways, he said, surrender or die. And it wasn't a threat. And I knew it in that moment. I knew it was an invitation. But I really wasn't sure what I was surrendering to. And so I was kind of terrified of surrender. Um, it was going to be completely unknown for me. And I was so used to relying on myself and trusting in me and trusting in my friends. But God was saying, okay, this is the moment. You can surrender or you can die. Not physically. There wasn't like lightning bolts. It was going to be like spiritual death. I don't know how I knew that all because it was like rapid fire in that moment. But I choked out. And I do mean like choked it out. I was like, I surrender, you know. And the moment that I did, it felt like all of the weight, all of the pressure, all of the whatever in the van suddenly like focused on the top of my head, almost like a giant water balloon. This is the best way I can describe this. And then it burst. And it felt like the inside of my body was being washed by water. It was the most bizarre, incredible sensation I've ever experienced. Um, And I thought, and I said, I think immediately after, I was filled with such joy. I was alive. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. I was crying, but I was now on the other side of it. So I was elated. And I said, I don't know what that was, but for the rest of my life, I'm going after that because it changed everything in that moment. And I wasn't even sure if it was biblical, to be perfectly honest with you, because I remember saying right before I surrendered, God, if this is not you. I know you can fix it, but I have to surrender. I have to say yes. Um, now, I went to Bible college, so I'd read the Bible a few times. In fact, I had really read the New Testament. I had even taken a class on it. But you know how you can read something and not read something? So I'm going to rapid fire read a verse from all four of the Gospels to you that I guarantee you and promise you I had read before, but I had never read before. I think we have slides for those, Alex. Okay. Matthew says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then in Mark, he says, I will baptize, I baptize you, this is John the Baptist speaking, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Luke says, John the Baptist answered them all, 
I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whom is sandals, I'm not unworthy, or I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then lastly, John says, John, the Baptist, gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. And so I received a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't even know what it was. Jesus tells his disciples in the beginning of Acts, we read, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they know they were supposed to wait. And Jesus, like, point blank told them, I'm going to be baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. I can almost promise you if we could get there like testimonies they did not know what to expect they did not know that the day of pentecost was going to be the day of pentecost um, because for all of us we can know what something is like but until we experience it we don't know it right marriage children a new job whatever it is until you've experienced it you don't know it and so i didn't know that i didn't know it but the lord caused me to trust him in the unknown so that i might know him better and that Knowing and trusting, it becomes like cyclical. Um, Jeremiah says it this way, and this is where I'm going to wrap up for y'all. Jeremiah 9:23. This is what Yahweh says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands me and knows me, that I am Yahweh who exercises kindness justice and righteousness on earth for in these I delight declares Yahweh so I'm going to stand before you I'm not going to boast in anything that I've ever done because it's all been pretty crappy but I do want to boast in the fact that I know the Lord and I know that in his goodness and his kindness he he's the only one we can trust man people are really good there's fantastic people in here who like Rachel said my life would not be okay without a lot of y'all but he alone, he alone is worthy of our trust because people can only take you so far. Good morning, Crossbridge. Alex Bello here. Uh, so now it's my turn to share about trust. And um, I'm going to start off with basically I think Wes is a good example of trust and trusting that I'm going to get this done in under 10 minutes. So there's a lot of trust going on right now just to begin with. But um, is this like a political thing where everybody else yields your time and I could just go longer? Because no, I'm getting a no. So anyway, um, I'm not going to cry. I promise that much. Uh, so one of the things I, I want to talk about with trust is, is a good way to start. I've always struggled uh, my entire life with feeling like unimportant, insignificant, and unworthy, you know, Pretty much anything. You just want to name it. Unworthy of that. I don't deserve it. Uh, that's just been my life. So everything I've done in my life has been for becoming important, becoming significant, becoming worthy of love, money, whatever you want to call it. Not even money. Just worthy of being somebody to be remembered. You know. So like, I, what drove me was I wanted to be somebody where my name's going to be on a statute somewhere. 
And as part of that, I, I wanted to be a father, not because, you know, I want to raise a child and be a part of something magical, but because I want to establish the new Vanderbilts, minus all the nastiness, <laughs> but just the new the bellows. You know, I wanted a lineage, you know, where like somewhere it'd be like an Alex begat, you know, blah, 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 who begat. Like, I wanted to be remembered. I wanted statutes. So, uh, in, you know, money kind of plays into that in the sense, I'm going to try to focus this and not go all over the place, that I was always like the poorest kid everywhere. I'm not saying that, you know, we were growing up and like, I didn't know where my next meal was going to come. And I mean, maybe that was the case. I don't know. My parents did a pretty decent job of shielding us from that. But anytime we were around anybody, I was the one that had to borrow everybody's basketball. I'm the one that never had a glove. I'm the one that never had this, that, or the other. And it just kind of like, you know, you don't think about it at the time, but it like it cements itself in you. And like, I'm not going to be this person forever. And so everything I do in one way or another becomes about, I'm going to be rich or I'm going to make money or I'm going to do this and I'm never going to struggle. And it's, I'd love to say it was because, oh yeah, I want to be able to provide for my family one time, blah, 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 in the future. But it's not. It was just, I wanted to feel significant. I wanted people to remember me. And I figured, you know, money is a way to do that. You can always, who says you can't buy love, right? So, I'm not saying that, but so as we move forward, you know, I, of course, uh, we grew up in a household that didn't have a ton of money, so I didn't really learn how to be financially responsible, made a lot of stupid mistakes, so I already started at like zero for 25, tons of debt, unnecessary student loan debt, unnecessary credit card debt because I got a free pizza for getting a credit card, all that kind of stuff. Um, Eventually, I get serious about it, and I start working on it. You know, throughout this process, I buy a house. I get a better job. I meet my wife, Melissa. I sell said house. And I finally get to the point where I'm like, you know, cue the Dave Ramsey. You know, basically debt-free except for the mortgage, you know, type of deal. And I, on top of that, I have, like, money in a savings account. And an amount of money that if I lose my job, which is, like, I wake up in the morning I brush my teeth and then I worry about how I'm going to lose my job that day. You know, like that's the kind of fear I live my life in, like the worry. I can go maybe a year and, you know, if we tighten our belts a year and a half without a job and we could survive, you know. So like there is peace there. I am good. I finally done it. You know, at this point, I'm kind of grown up a little bit. So I don't worry so much about the I need my name on a statute or anything like that. But like it's still back there. The money of the being able to just pay for things and do things. That's everything for me. Like, that is number one on my list. Like, where, where are we going to do this morning? I don't know. Do we have money in the account? You know, are we going to do we have money in the account? So all that to say is we're married. We go for, you know, a year of enjoying ourselves. We do a bunch of traveling. Then the conversation of, like, yo, we want to have kids. And at this point, we're not what I would call young. Now, I wouldn't say we're old, but we're not, you know, I'm not young. So, you know, all right, cool. We have the ability. We have the means Let's do this. Let's have a kid. And at this point, actually, I want to be a father, not because of the lineage or the new, the Bellevilles or whatever you want to call it. It's just, I actually want to experience the joy of being a parent. I want to, to share my experiences growing up and, you know, just, I want to help somebody be the best they could be. Like, it's, it's just a weird feeling if you're a parent. I'm sure you've experienced it. If not, then, you know, you will one day, hopefully. Um, so we try. And we try, and no success. So we try harder, and no success there. 
So then, you know, you start wondering, like, oh, okay, um, it's cool. We've, we've got some money, you know, I've got that savings account. We could probably pay for a few things. So we look into fertility treatments. And doctor's like, all right, you guys aren't any uh, spring chickens here. So I say we go straight into IVF. You know, it's a lot more money. It's roughly two and a half times what one of these procedures is. But the chance of success is a lot higher, 50 to 33. But I look at my bank account and I say, oh, I don't feel comfortable. Could we just try this one? Because if this one works, then you were talking about, you know, let's say 3,000 something. And, you know, it's a 33% chance, but look how much money we saved. So ideally not going into it with the best, you know, things in mind. So we try that. It doesn't work. And we try it again. Because, you know, 33% plus 33%, I'm sure that's not how it works, but that's how my head was thinking. That's like 66%. Do it. No, it doesn't work again. So then you know, we have to bite the bullet, like, all right, let's do this IVF. Of course, it works out great in the first run. You know, like, Melissa has, like, sorry to say this, I don't know if it's weird, but, like, she is an egg factory still. She, she's got, like, an insane amount of eggs. So everything's looking awesome. The doctor, when they were retrieving the eggs, they're like, we're going to leave a whole bunch in there because we're full. Like, there's no more eggs. Eggs can't go anywhere else. So we're leaving eggs in there. So that means that we can't do this thing right away. You're going to have to take a month off. So that means that you're not going to have to pay another $3,000 because we have to put them away and all this other stuff. So I'm just seeing the bills pile up. But that's cool. And then we go, and it works long enough for us to get excited and tell our entire family that we're pregnant. And then, you know, we, we have a miscarriage literally that same weekend. And so... Right around that time, we already we had gotten a call from my sister about, um, it's kind of a weird call. It's like, call me back. It's important. It's about a baby. You know, <laughs> you don't get that call every day. So I call my sister back, and it turns out that, you know, there's a situation where she knows of someone that is pregnant and just can't have the child. You know, she can't raise a child. So we start looking at it. We're like, all right, you know, but in my head, this is never going to work. It's going to be impossible. There's a million things that can go wrong. And it wasn't until that, you know, we had that miscarriage, and this is like back-to-back -back almost, this is within a span of two to three weeks, that we're like, okay, let's do this. And I'm talking about you. <clears throat> so that's my son, Ramon, by the way. Uh, we go forward, and we're like, I mean, really, at this point, we have no choice. The IVF hadn't worked. We don't have a ton of money. And I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. We find an agency to work with the mom, uh, and then they send us like, oh, this is great. We'd love to work with you. We have all these things, blah, blah, blah. And then they call us back, and it says, our fees are so low, we're going to start at about $50,000, which is the savings account, savings account and then some. Mind you that we've already taken a bunch out of that, too. So in my head, I'm like, no. Uh, I mean, you know, this is not... My entire life has been about having safety, and I'm just going to throw it away. And I don't know if you're familiar with adoption, but adoption isn't like, hey, you give me a check, and they hand you a baby. No, you write a check, you get a lawyer, you do all this stuff, and then the mom can ultimately say, now I'm going to keep my kid. And then, you know, wouldn't you be a jerk and be mad that, you know, her mom wants to you know, But either way, like, you lose whatever you put in there. So there's a very real possibility that not only are we not going to have a child, but we're going to be... Paycheck to paycheck almost again, you know, which is what I try to avoid my entire life. So I want to say, like, I was like Abraham, like, oh, yeah, just, Lord, I trust you 100%, and let's just do this, you know. And, and it wasn't a case. You know, I was finding every reason why we couldn't. And bless Melissa, man. She was so like, you know, it is a lot of money, and she's trying to see things. And I know that the one thing that she wanted to do is be a mother. Like, 
probably even more than marrying me, you know, she's, <laughs> which is saying a lot, uh, if she wanted to be a mom. And I just, I took it to God and I was like, I'm not going to be excited about this, God, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm not going to, you know, jump out there and be there. Oh, glory be to God. And, all, you know, like, that's not how I really feel in here, but, but I'm going to do it, you know. And I guess it kind of is like Abraham in the sense, or like, you know, taking your son out there. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about that either. <laughs> but, I mean, I got to be honest. In this moment right here when I was the most scared I've ever been. Because now money is one thing, but now I've got feelings attached. And there's a possibility of me being a father. And I can ultimately walk away with nothing, you know. And so I can't just, we just put it to God. And God opened so many doors uh, and I've skipped through a whole bunch of things just to tell you how many doors he opened to get to this point. But with Ramon, I mean, we found another agency. We ended up going through a lawyer locally in town who was amazing. Um, the cost went from like potentially 60000 to like 15000 which, you know, it's not nothing. Don't get me wrong. But at least that left some money in my savings account in there. And it just, it worked out better than I could have ever. And Melissa and I could have ever planned it. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of things like the birth mom's name tied with family name and just it was just so many things that kept lining up where we were like, this is meant to be. And so today we have little Ramon over there who's in the third row and uh, who you all are familiar with. He's here singing every Sunday. Um, and, you know, it, if I tried my best to kind of map this out and write out how things would go. I would have written everything completely differently, but I don't know that my faith in God would have been benefited or my growth in God and my ability to put my trust in God would have grown at all. Like this is the path that I did not want to go through, but I'm grateful every single day. And, you know, every time I hold him, I don't think about this every five minutes, like, oh, you were such an expensive baby or anything like that. But <laughs> I just think about all the how hard it was for us going through this, how the difficulties, the uncertainty, when we're really just relying on God, because there is, you can't do anything. You can't, you know, short of like, hey, we're just going to run out of this hospital with a baby. I have, oh, and I forgot to mention, like, there's a period where you go there, and she has 48 hours to sign the paperwork where she gives up, the, you know, the baby for the parental rights, and you're sitting there like, I might just walk out with this baby. You know, if she just, I'm just, I'm leaving with the baby. It doesn't matter. But ultimately, our ability to just reluctantly on my part of trusting God was such a huge way for me to grow in my, my walk with God. And yeah, I, every day I'm so blessed. And so I just want to put it that way. Like there doesn't, there's going to come times in everybody's life when you have to trust God and I know a lot of times we romanticize this like, oh, the light came down from heaven and God shone his angel, spoke to me, and I knew right there. And I, and I think, you know, that's just not how it works, you know, and that's the thing with God is, and I think he rewards this true, is like, yeah, it's awesome for those people who could just throw themselves out there and be like, yeah, God, I trust you 100%. I don't worry about anything. And that's awesome for them. But faith, like I said, it's when you don't know the outcome. And I encourage everybody that, you know, when there's time, there's a whole church here who's willing to talk to you and help you out and listen. That's just put yourself out there and just trust in God and know that 
his plan is always going to be better than your plan and that he's always going to do right by you. And then in the Bible, you're, gonna, you're the professional. Uh, you can tell me, it was, for all things happen for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I'm so convinced of that. Um, and I just want to say thank you. I yield my time. 